ivi o kuu ivi, koko ku koko, kile kamo o amaoloa kuhaki pu kamanava. Blood of my blood, bone of my bones, the lineage remains intact forever and ever. Many native or indigenous Hawaiians have a deep love for their ancestors, and that love is the backbone of their community. Kili kamo'o, the mo'o, the lineage, the continuum, the stories, the culture, traditions, forever remains intact. I'm Jessica Ramirez, and today we're happy to speak with Justin Achang. Aloha nui kakou, Justin Achang, no mililani oahu mayao. Aloha, my name is Justin Achang. I'm a native Hawaiian filmmaker from Mililani O'ahu in the Hawaiian Islands. Mahalo for having me. This is Seedcast. We are standing, here are calling. We are rooted to the ground, we're here to stay. No staying quiet, we stand united. We are rooted to the ground, can't tear us down. We're here to stay. Justin has voyaged on a canoe with no modern technology following only celestial bodies. He has shown up to film community to document their struggle and resilience. Justin creates stories across land and across the sea to uplift the people in his community and to reflect the relationships his people have to family, seen and unseen. Where Justin lives, you can hear sounds of birds in the garden and his family dog, Eddie. Stop it. <laughs> the place I come from is completely surrounded by ocean. And so the connection to the sea is huge for those of us that live here in Hawaii. The indigenous peoples of Hawaii are the Kanaka Maoli. They are a lineage of people who can trace their genealogy back to ancestors who called Hawaii home long before any outside contact. Today, many in Hawaii, including many of those who carry a native Hawaiian bloodline, are also a mixture of other ethnicities. It's a melting pot for a lot of cultures and a lot of communities. I myself am made up of like six different ethnicities. Being in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, it really is a place that has called to it many different cultures that that find a way to kind of bring the best of what they offer and the best of where they come from and, and kind of meld it together to create a, a local culture that it's unique unto itself. For myself, that's the beauty of having the opportunity to have grown up here is that, you know, everybody is auntie and uncle. You know, you can really depend on, on your neighbors and your community. Here in Hawaii, our sort of cultural renaissance was really sparked by the birth of and the maiden voyage of a Polynesian voyaging canoe called Hokulea. Prior to the birth of Hokulea in 1975, there hadn't been a voyaging canoe like the one described in our oral histories for probably five or six hundred years. At that time, in the mid-70s, 
it was definitely a time where most Hawaiians didn't know what it meant to be Hawaiian. Most Hawaiians were looked down on or, or casted shame upon for being Hawaiian. Those that still held knowledge of language, knowledge of culture, were very few strands, right? And, and were kind of underground. And it wasn't until the mid, the early to mid 1970s, when a native Hawaiian by the name of Herb Kane, who was an artist living in Chicago, but native Hawaiian, had these dreams and these visions to bring a voyaging canoe that was described, you know, in, in these stories of, of our ancestors to life, you know, something that hadn't been seen in, in hundreds of years with the mission of sailing her for one voyage along an ancestral route from Hawaii to Tahiti, which is about 2,300 miles of open ocean, no land in between, and navigating this canoe in the way of our ancestors. No GPS, no maps, no sextants, solely relying on the knowledge of the stars, the celestial bodies, the movement of the waves, the movement of the wind, to be able to travel 2,300 miles of open ocean to find a speck of land in the middle of the ocean. So Herb Kane and, and, and a few others dedicated their lives to, to building Hokulea and finding a way to sell her on this voyage. And, and so they built this 62-foot-long voyaging canoe. Their problem was that there were no willing or able navigators that had that knowledge to sell in that old way left in Polynesia. They ended up finding a man in Micronesia by the name of Malpiailug, who did carry that knowledge, whose community did still practice celestial wayfinding uh, within their own islands. And so they, they found this man named Mao who actually went against his own community's wishes to teach this sacred knowledge outside of their own community and came to Hawaii to, to navigate Hokulea and to teach Hawaiians how to, how to navigate again. After 30-something days at sea, they pulled Tahiti out of the sea and were greeted by about 18,000 people on the shore, essentially sparking a cultural renaissance for Polynesians, for Tahitians, Hawaiians, all of us alike, validating that our ancestors' stories were true, validating that we do come from astronauts of our ancestors, you know, people that skillfully and masterfully voyaged across open oceans. Probably one of the most defining moments in our Hawaiian history was the birth and, and the maiden voyage of this voyaging canoe Hokulea. You know, she was initially built for that one voyage and not meant to do any more sales after that, but the amount of pride and resurgence that it catalyzed inspired Hawaiians to keep this going and to continue learning this tradition. Since then, the Hokulea has been training folks in these ways of celestial navigation and has had numerous voyages throughout the Pacific. And so for the last 40-something years, she's been such an icon for us in Hawaii. And Justin got the chance to travel with the Hokulea 
all the way around the world. There was a mission to take Kokulea and circumnavigate the globe with a mission of, of connecting this earth. I feel super blessed and fortunate that I was able to be a part of the team that got to voyage around the world. Being out on the middle of the ocean on this voyaging canoe, uh, especially this history voyage canoe that like means so much to, to so many of us, the one word that comes to mind is magic. The magic is unreal. Shooting, editing, producing content from a 62 foot long voyaging canoe, you know, there's no kind of covering. You're, you're, you're out in the elements more or less 24 seven. Uh, you're basically sleeping on a yoga mat head to toe. And so being part of the, the crew and, and part of the documentary crew was the goal was, was to capture all these stories along the way, to capture the stories of the, the crew voyaging from place to place, to capture the interactions with communities at the different places, to share stories of, of places and, and things that other communities around the world were doing and, and connect them to, to back home here in Hawaii. For days on end, you're surrounded by nothing but ocean, 360 degrees around you. And so you're very much immersed in nature. There's nothing but the wind, the swells, the, the clouds, the rain, the sun, the stars, lots of shooting stars at night on, on clear nights. One of the most magical things I got to witness on one of my legs of the voyage was um, a night rainbow. The full moon was rising on one side and on the opposite side was literally a rainbow in the sky at midnight. And, and it was this rainbow that like, you could see the shades, but it didn't have color. It was like grayscale. We've been through 12 foot, 15 foot swells. We've been through like very calm doldrum waters where the, the ocean looks like a lake. We've been through days on end where it's just raining nonstop. I think there's like four days straight of rain and you just, you know, taking it the whole time. So the magic of it is definitely there, but also the dangers are real too. You know, every every single voyage and every single leg is taken seriously. You know, you, you put your lives in the hands of your crew members. You put your lives in each other's hands and really depend on each other to make it to the next destination safely. This earth is an island, just like we inhabit Hawaii as an island. An island mentality really being that like, you live in this place that's confined in geography and limited in resources. And so because of that, you depend on the community that you live with to take care of each other and to steward those resources in a meaningful way and to steward those resources so that it ensures that those resources are still there for your generation and for generations to come, right? And so the mission of taking Hokule around the world was was one of sharing these lessons and these values that come from Hawaii, but also connecting with communities around the world to learn what they're doing to, to steward their place and to do their part in caring for Island Earth. Even as a Hokulea, 
was spreading the island mentality around the world. Back at home, in Oahu, colonial land grabs and overdevelopment were threatening people's ability to connect with their culture and protect their ancestors. Justin found himself in a position to help a family share their story. It's such a beautiful time to be a filmmaker here in Hawaii. And I feel like I've been fortunate in that a lot of the work that sustains me here at home is within the Hawaiian community. With, with this particular story, uh, Pili Kamo'o, is a story about a, a Native Hawaiian family, the Fukumitsu Ohana, who reside in an area on the island of Oahu called Hakipu'u. And their family has resided there for generations upon generations. This is Kolea Fukumitsu speaking in the film. Growing up here was a large part of my identity. We trace our genealogy back to this, this same place on this same aina that our kupuna walked on before us. This place for us, it's the beginning, you know, it's the middle, it's where we will eventually rest in the land here. The Ivi Kupuna on that aina is Ino Ino and Paku. Um, Ino Ino is my fifth great grandfather. Paku was his wahine. Ivi Kupuna, it means the bones, skeletal remains of our ancestors. But it's not just that. The spiritual being of that person, their uhane, which is their spirit, is still in the Ivi in the bones, so when we bury them in the aina, in the soil, their spirit, their mana is still there. Hakipu'u and surrounding lands have also been occupied by an entity known as Kualoa Ranch. There are families founder of that area who, who descends from the original missionaries that arrived in Hawaii in the 1820s. There's also been a lot of displacement of Native Hawaiian families as they continue to expand. Pilikamo'o centers on a recent engagement that the family had with Kualoa Ranch. My co-creator on the film, Malia Kutagawa, um, who's also in the film, is a Native Hawaiian lawyer and law professor at the University of Hawaii, who also was connected with the family and had been sort of helping them do the legalities of, of their fight. Right next door to us is Kualoa. Kualoa was seen as the seat of our ea, of our sovereignty. Whatever chief had control of Kualoa had much power. So it's very interesting in that you have a missionary family that is now controlling Kualoa and acquiring all the lands in Ka'awa, Kualoa, and now the lands here in Hakipu'u. 95% of Hakipu'u has become part of Kualoa Ranch's holdings or no longer in the hands of the native tenants. So there are just remnant Kuleana lands existing here and the Fukumitsu family are one of the few families that still have their Kuleana lands. 
I had actually met her for the first time and was at her house getting to know her the day that the family put out a call on social media for for the community to come and stand with them when they live streamed Kolea's arrest. Kolea was arrested for blocking construction on the Kualoa Ranch. He and a few others had showed up in solidarity and resistance, claiming what belongs to Native Hawaiians and their ancestors. And so I just so happened to have my camera on me and, you know, the next morning showed up with it, with a bunch of the other community standing in the road with them. And and that kind of just began the journey of, you know, seeing what they needed and seeing how I could help them share their story or get the word out about what was happening. After Kolea was arrested, many more people from his community showed up to take a stand with him. It's a lot more strength because it's harder to move a hundred people than two. It was a relief for, for me and my ohana because it helped us in our stand because we weren't alone. It's really a story of connection to family, um, both seen and unseen, and the reciprocal relationship that we of Native Hawaiians have to our Kupuna or ancestral remains that um, rest in our in our birth sands here, that rest in our soil here in Hawaii, that make up the mana and the spiritual power of this place. You know, it's it's their presence in the land here that give Hawaii its 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 mana, its its spiritual essence, its power, its its connection um, that that allows us to tap into. It explores that reciprocal relationship in that in the way that they give us knowledge and bring life into this land by their bones and their presence resting there, there's also a responsibility for us as the living to maintain that and to care for them. But now the kupuna need our help and they're pulling upon our essence and our mana to help them to transition into po, into eternity. Because they're, they're trapped by their sadness and we need to show them that we are there for them, that we will protect their bones. And so I, I told Summer and Kolea, have your son chant the genealogy of your family. And led your mana as their mo'opuna, as their descendants, to say it's okay, we're going to be okay. We are going to bring the breath and the life back into this place. And you don't need to worry anymore. Stories like the film Pili Kamo'o carry so much power. 
This film meant a lot to the Fukumitsus, Kolea, his children, and his wife, Summer, the matriarch of the family. In talking with the family and, and getting their response after watching the film for the first time and reflecting on their, their process, going through the making of the film, it was really validating for me because one thing that Summer had said is that it, the film actually brought a lot of healing for them, that it was healing to be able to be outside of herself in a way that it allowed kind of like all of that jumbleness and messiness and and weight of of what they've been in and dealing with and going through to actually just take a step back from it to see it from a different perspective and like with more clarity and so that was awesome for me is, is just hearing that that healing that it had brought for them my passion in filmmaking and storytelling really comes from a love of this place and the culture of this place and the people of this place. And so I feel very blessed and honored that I get to use my passion to uplift stories of this place and of our people here. The mo'o, the lineage, the continuum, the stories, the culture, traditions, forever remains intact. Thank you, Justin Achang, for sharing this story with us. For more information about Justin's work, follow him on Instagram. To learn more about the Polynesian Voyaging Society, go to hokulea.com. And Pili Kamo'o just won an Emmy. It's a part of Reciprocity Project, a storytelling initiative co-produced by Nia Taro and Upstander Project, in association with REI Co-op Studios. To watch Pili Kamo'o and all of Reciprocity Project films, go to reciprocity.org and follow their Instagram. This episode was produced and edited by Stina Hamlin. Our story editor and sound mix by Jenny Asarno. Associate producer, Haaheo Awai Decker. Archival audio provided by Justin Achang and the Polynesian Voyaging Society. Film excerpts provided by Reciprocity Project. The song, Island Views, was provided by Rexy. Nia Taro is a Seattle-based foundation where both Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples with a mission to secure Indigenous guardianship for all vital ecosystems. That means we provide support to indigenous peoples globally who are protecting their homelands from colonization and destruction. Their practices are one of our best guides for making Earth livable for generations to come. Here at Seedcast, our guests represent themselves. They do not necessarily reflect the views of Nia Taro. We honor their honest perspectives and lived experiences. You can learn more about Seedcast and about our work at Neotero at neotero.org. Seedcast is now on Instagram, so this is new for us. Share with a friend and find us at neotero underscore Seedcast. And please subscribe to Seedcast on your favorite podcast platform. Our executive producer is Tracy Rector. Our senior producer is Jenny Asarno. 
Our consulting producers are Julie Keck and Stina Hamlin. Our fact checker is Roman Lee Johnson. Our social media is by Nancy Kelsey. Our transcripts are by Sharon Arnold. Logo design by Yen Tan. Graphic design by Cindy Shashili. The Seedcast theme song is Rooted by Mia Kami. I'm your host, Jessica Ramirez, and we look forward to sharing more stories with you all very soon. Like the wind, we still move. Like the waves, we rise high. Like the sun, we never die. No staying quiet, we stand united.